0: They called us monsters, so monsters we became. We are Monsters Out of the Closet.
1: You're listening to a bonus episode of Monsters Out of the Closet. We are joined today by frequent contributor and voice actor Julian Lopez. His latest piece, Forest Floors, was featured in our August episode, Nature. And I would really recommend listening to it before our conversation today. Uh, thanks so much, Julian, for joining me. Uh, no problem. It really was no problem because, <laughs> uh, Julian's my roommate. Uh, we've lived together, um, several years. Three. Yeah. Yeah. We Going are, hungry. we go back quite a way, uh, through college and it's been really exciting to get to work with you in the context of this podcast. So why don't we dive in? Um, for anyone who doesn't know you, Julian, um, they might not realize that you started out as a visual artist. Um, in college, you did sculptural pieces and drawings. And it's only recently that you've gotten into more writing and written art. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about your previous art and kind of the transition into more written pieces?
0: Sure. When I first started out doing art, I was just Interested in trying to do I don't know expressive things, trying to get my emotions out and stuff like that, and so with sculpture, I focused more on I guess conceptual pieces, and then with drawings, it was things where I was trying to be as immediate as possible and not think too much about the work that I was doing and that sort of led me to doing writing because I felt like it was an even more useful tool for getting immediate communication. you know you can write something. It's very, very quick, you know, like just getting out all your thoughts all at once.
1: Versus like a sculpture yeah. where the process can take like yeah, weeks. You'll be
0: like sculpting for 10 hours and then you'll come back the next day and sculpt 10 hours and keep re- reshaping it, reshaping it. Yeah. And I guess that that does still happen with writing and like editing process and all that, but you can get like a baseline of everything that you're trying to get out all at once as you're thinking it, you know?
1: Right. The kind of conception to kind of creation like period is much shorter. Yeah. But then of course, in its created form, there's still that editing process and the exploring how to link ideas because I think that's something with more visual forms of art, kind of the form is already part of the conception versus when you're writing, kind of how it's going to be formatted, how it's going to flow, how to make sure the ideas like link up. That's a process where editing is kind of like going back to conception, trying to like reform the piece to fit the intent. Yeah. Yeah. We had one of your pieces featured earlier um, in our first year. I think it was episode three endings. We featured a poem called December Beneath Snow, which was, you know, really emotional, uh, had a lot of really dark and natural imagery. Can you talk a little bit about the imagery um, and, like, the focus of your poetry?
0: Yeah, I would say that at least these last two pieces and a lot of things i am working on, they have a lot to do with memories and particularly traumatic memories and how memories can change over time, how you can lose memories, and I guess in the instance of, particularly instance of traumatic things, sometimes when things happen to you, you don't really have a chance to respond to them in your life. You might have to just sort of try to forget about them or move past them and stuff like that. So I think these two pieces I've done for the podcast are about Sort of fighting between trying to remember things again, wishing you didn't have to remember them at all, trying to escape from them and being trapped by them and stuff like that mm-hmm.
1: okay. because it's a you know very personal subject, do you feel like it's been cathartic to to write and have more kind of creative <laughs> control when you're talking about process? Do you feel like editing these pieces has been part of a, a cathartic process of like processing these emotions
0: mm-hmm. um I feel like the initial writing is more the cathartic part of it, and then the editing is more just, I want to make something good. <laughs> it's, not, it's not as much... The editing process is not that emotional for me. It's more like trying to make sure that things are actually conveyed, because it's hard to convey very, you know, <laughs> obviously, like, abstract or specific things, or sometimes both at the same time. It's, like, hard to convey them in a way that feels true to what you're trying to say, <laughs> So I guess I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I like to be meticulous about things.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think your editors also kind of come at it with that intent too. I know that in our process, our co-producer Shreya gave editorial feedback, but Mm -hmm. I also know that you got additional editorial feedback from, you know, another contributor to the podcast, Sarah Schaaf, who also does poetry. Do you feel like having these collaborators was kind of helpful because you're talking about this process of like trying to translate immediate catharsis into like a a kind of quantifiable, like perfected piece?
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of these things are things that have been thought over so much that they sort of like lose a bit of their connection to reality. So it is definitely nice to have people who have no idea what I'm talking about, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, read over it and be like, oh, how much of a story do you want? How much do you want it to be just imagery? How much do you want, I don't know, just like different aspects of the story and to help me sort of get an idea of like, oh, now that I have created something out of this, what can it actually be if I want it to make it into like like a solid formed idea?
1: Yeah. And speaking of kind of like the cohesiveness of the piece, both of these pieces that you have submitted to us actually came from a larger piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many pages is it at, Julian? Right now,
0: it's, I think it's like 180 pages.
1: Yeah. So you've essentially <laughs> written like a book um, yeah. of poetry. And back when you had submitted December Beneath Snow, that was back when it was in a format where it was organized kind of by month and it took mm-hmm. place over a year. And there was escalating like horrific and abstract imagery and like a de escalation in plot or like concrete imagery, maybe. And the pieces evolved again. How have you been kind of? exploring kind of um, cohesive story and plot in poetry? Because I think that's a tricky thing for a lot of poets and people who maybe aren't as familiar with poetry is trying to get what, what story is being told through the imagery. Yeah, how, how do you balance that in your work? Um, and how has that changed, maybe?
0: I feel like it is <laughs> it is extremely hard to balance. I have not really been super successful at balancing it um lately i think the reason why i sort of have been doing a whole rework is that i wanted it to tell more of a single story and i also sort of wanted to make it more my own and detach it from i guess some of the influences of it from things my past and i sort of wanted to take it away from that make it its own story i guess trying to establish a very concrete imagery of they're usually based on things that i think about a lot i i think that one of my favorite styles of art has always been surrealism. There's a lot of dream imagery, there's a lot of personification of things that might not normally be sentient, or things appearing where they shouldn't be, or where you wouldn't think that they would be. I don't know, a lot of it is just transforming things to be what they usually are not, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I've been trying to establish imagery that goes through a whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And that was something that I think you talked about as you were working on Forest Floors, which was that, Force Floors was going to be kind of more towards that reworked version of the original story, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Where you're kind of pulling bits and pieces from previous parts of the longer piece to kind of create a more cohesive start and ending yeah. story. And how was that process for you? Do you feel like it's given you more ideas for more parts of the longer piece to be reworked? How do you see the the larger piece moving forward?
0: I'm not exactly sure right now, because I guess force floors was the first step to sort of reworking it.
1: Why don't we dive into force floors because like narrative wise it was one of those poems where listening to you read it, and you did read it. Yeah. um you feel like a close connection to your emotion kind of coming into the reading, and it guided me a little bit narratively as I was doing sound design for it. I'm curious on a couple of questions, the first one being. You've mentioned to me that you're really connected to the idea of being the voice actor, the reader for yeah. your pieces. Why do you feel that way?
0: Um, I guess with poetry, a lot of it is in order to get everything conveyed how you want it, it's really hard to format it properly, mm-hmm. which is I think a big part of poetry is formatting it, and I don't think that I can format it well enough that I could convey the little pauses and like the Hesitation or like pairing something so that it is part of one sentence and also part of the other. And I guess I did also mention I'm a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> I was so gonna I, say, could it be the- I do, I, it is nice to have um, just control over how everything goes because I don't know, I don't necessarily like my voice, but I do feel like I don't think they would be able to necessarily express exactly what I was trying to express. It might still be fine, you mm-hmm. know? But I guess since it is a very personal story,
1: there's a sense of ownership, yeah. and it sounds like for you, part of the process now with the fact that these pieces are being submitted to an audible podcast, kind of the intention of someone hearing it read aloud is kind of part yeah. of how it's being written. Yeah,
0: if it's it's I guess in an audio form, how it's read is part of the art, you know. Mm-hmm. The voice actor is also doing a lot of creative work into what's going to be heard, I guess. <laughs> right. So yeah, being able to do that just gives me another level of control and another thing to even work on because I I have fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I improve over time and it's fun to try it a couple of different ways. And mm-hmm. I don't know, even sometimes in my process, I'll go on bike rides and I'll just have it recording the whole time and I'll just be talking as I'm riding my bike.
1: And then like transcribing it. Yeah, and then
0: transcribing it. And so I guess in some in some cases that's sort of more the original form is in like a spoken version instead of a read version. So
1: And On the voice actor side, you actually also have done voice acting for us. Yeah. Um, in the cases where I'm like, Hey, Julian, um, sweet roommate, would you be able to read this story that, um, you know, we have a quick turnaround on? And you've been able to help us on a couple of pieces. I believe you read my short story hunting season. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that one and. And that was more of a short story, like just narration, but you also have had the opportunity to do voice acting <laughs> yep. Um, in our upcoming episode, Transformation, You're the Voice of Daryl in a piece called No Good Deed. How has the experience been um, reading other people's work and being able to be part of that interpretation and artistic process from that side?
0: It's definitely something new, very different. Um... I would want to do it more. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I I'm, I have never had experience acting. And when it's outside of my own work, it is a lot more, you know, get out of my own head to try to take on some other vision of something. So it's fun. It's still fun. It's a little bit more stressful just because I want to do it well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously for myself, I want to do it well too. But, you know, it's the weight of someone else's work. want to do it justice
1: (laughs) on kind of the audio frontier i was responsible for the audio design for forest floors Mm -hmm. and one thing that i found when i was reading forest floors were these like concrete audio um connections that i found in the piece and i felt like the piece was almost bookended by like the sound of the sea and so it kind of made it feel like, you know, you're capturing a very like clear narrative of like a memory of a time and the forest and these darker memory elements of beasts in the forest. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about like these concrete images that you kind of were creating in your poem and how that tied to a narrative?
0: I think that in the context of the larger story, certain areas have been given different meanings. I guess that for me, the sea is a Kind of linked to creativity, discovery, dreams, and stuff like that. They're like things are coming from Mm -hmm. the ocean, returning to the ocean. The forest is a place of life, but it's also, I don't know, there's a lot that's not seen. Depends on the time of day.
1: Right, because a forest in the daytime and a forest at night are very different. Yeah.
0: It feels good to be in the forest, but then I feel like incorporating more of the aspect of the night is that things that are familiar to us can become very terrifying once we don't understand them anymore Mm -hmm. like things that we thought we understood and suddenly we're shown something about it that isn't the same and it changes it forever so i guess that's sort of the context of it in the story it's symbolic of different influences people have had in my life and how they changed over time i guess Mm. i guess just to keep going on that I feel like another part that I kind of wanted to get across in the story is that these cycles, you know, you can have things that you see positively and they can be sort of turned darker and you can try to see the the good parts of it again. Right. And sometimes you can get that, and sometimes you can't get that. Sometimes you want to get it, and it's not going to come back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can trick yourself into thinking it'll come back, or dream of it coming back, and stuff like that. But then it's like a, I guess, sort of like a battle between seeing various things as Mm. one way versus another, another way, right?
1: I definitely got that sense in the piece. It felt to me like there was this flashback happening, these memories tied with, you know, someone they loved and kind of these darker memories about that. And then kind of when you get back to the ocean at the end, there was like a wistfulness, something lost, something bittersweet there. Um mm. So I think that that was conveyed in the piece. Was there anything that surprised you about hearing your piece with like the final audio design? Because I feel like the audio design that we did for this was a little bit more advanced than what we were doing with <laughs> December Beneath Snow.
0: I think that one sort of surprising thing is that when I was listening to it again with all the edits, it almost it made me wish that I could have done another reading. I guess it made me think more about how I was putting it together and... I would want to change certain things to give different meanings, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess it does add another part that I really don't take into account, you know, when I'm writing, what else is going to be added on top. So yeah, it kind of made me think, oh, maybe I would read it a little bit differently.
1: Or be more involved in the sound design. Yeah, maybe. Right, right. And I know that for you, you've talked to me about, um, being really interested in like some of the upcoming themes we have. Um, for the next year of Monsters Out of the Closet, have there been any themes that you've been especially interested in and exploring? Um, Maybe darkness. That seems um, very on brand. I mean,
0: a lo- I would say any of them that are sort of recurring themes in my story right. kind of draw me in.
1: Yeah, like darkness, nightmare, yeah, darkness, rot, nightmare,
0: maybe rot. Maybe even sacrifice and vengeance are kind of interesting in their own way. I guess the reason why darkness I thought of it first is that I like thinking about darkness and how I feel like lots of times it has a negative connotation, but it's mm-hmm. not always the case. Right. Sometimes darkness can sort of make things grow and make things come to realization. And like the time of the night can be an emotional time. And
1: there's complexity in yeah. the darkness. Yeah. There's it's not just a clear cut blackness. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And. I'm kind of curious, you know as an artist uh who's probably getting you know inspiration not just from our writing prompts but like from other forms of media like t v film books, are there any examples of things that inspires you personally?
0: I would have to say it would probably be manga because it, there's a lot of very well drawn manga that i can i don't know very like visceral imagery and stuff like that that I like to think about. <laughs> right. And also music. Um lots of times when I write or before writing, I'll listen to music and I'll try to use that as a way to like store specific songs with very specific memories. So I can create a story with music that I can help me to follow memories that I've had. And then I can use that to try to capture like feelings that I've had and mm-hmm. or like and I don't know, I guess with playlists like longer like very personal playlists where I can follow how my feelings have changed over time and v- much smaller stories.
1: Um, do you have any favorite examples of horror, things that you think are, you know, more in your vein? I know, like, I think that your writing uh, reminds me of, like, kind of the emotion behind, like, Guillermo Will Toro movies.
0: I do like reading psychological horror Especially, I guess, manga is what I mostly read, mm-hmm. but psychological genre in general and psychological horror. If things exploring, like, how a person can be transformed by things that happen to them,
1: mm.
0: you know, like what lengths people will go to get the things they care about or to destroy things, and,
1: right.
0: you know, um, like how someone can lose sight of themselves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Those are probably my favorite.
1: And of how fitting that we're currently watching <laughs> in our house, uh, we're re-watching Hannibal. Yes. And I also feel like that, that that piece of media kind of reflects on the kind of art that you create yeah, as well.
0: Very strong visual imagery. I love strong visual imagery. And I also, even though I don't always have the stomach for it, I do like, like extreme violence, <laughs> I guess. That, that sounds kind of, that's not exactly how I mean it, but... I guess like in Hannibal, there's like a lot of, you know, like someone's back is like turned into angel wings or something like that. And it's like taking grotesque things and like putting a strange beauty in it just mm-hmm. by, partially just because it's like something you've never seen. I feel like things that are twisted can still be beautiful in some right. way in the sense that they are a lot, you know?
1: There are um, a lot. It's stylized yeah. and like that aspect of you've never seen anything like it before, yeah. right? recently i got to watch the fly for our phantom of the cinema and there's some like very gruesome imagery in it. and of course the first thing i thought is Julia, we really get a kick out of these transformation scenes so i i definitely get what you're saying about like sometimes these gruesome images can be really captivating too yeah. um, especially when they're done in an artful and meaningful way yeah this is probably a good place to wrap up our conversation but i hope that you dear listeners Enjoyed getting to learn a little bit about one of my best friends and roommate, Julian, and what he's been able to bring to our podcast. So very grateful that you're a proud card carrying member of the monster mob. Yeah. Sure, I'll write again. <laughs> yeah. I know that I bug you every yes. other day about <laughs> it. So yeah. um looking forward to that. And uh dear listener, next time you can uh hear Julian will be in our next episode, Transformation, um, in the role of Daryl in the piece No Good deed. So keep your ears open for that. Um that piece should be coming out at the end of September. In the meantime, you too can be part of the Monster Mob. I highly encourage you to take a look on our submit page on our website, monstersoutofthecloset.com, and take a look at all those delicious-looking themes for next year. We have submissions open past our November episode. Please consider submitting today. Thank you so much for your support. Special thanks to our supporting producers, Lindsay Holt, Tara Rangan, Sarah Lopez, and Lerdes Kaland. And on that note, dear listener, thank you so much for listening. Monsters out.